most people recognize blockchain as the technology or the foundation of cryptocurrency trading, like Bitcoin, EOS, Ethereum, all the major type of uh, very successful trading coins. But the truth is that the blockchain technology is so much, much more. AR, VR, augmented reality, as that technology gets better, we think that's going to be a huge asset for more interactive education. Hello, you're listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast, the podcast that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs from around the world. I'm your host, Lingling. I'm also the founder and director of Spark Learning Solutions. We help to build thriving organizational cultures and create effective intercultural collaboration through education, coaching, and consulting. Many people call blockchain the Web 3.0, or the future of the internet. Blockchain technology started in 2008, where an anonymous individual, a group of individuals named Satoshi Nakamura, invented Bitcoin, which has the total value of over $1 trillion today. What is blockchain, you might ask? Blockchain is a public electronic ledger, like a database, that creates an unchangeable record of transactions between users. Each digital record or transaction in the thread is called a block, and the string of blocks are a chain. Blockchain can only be updated by consensus between participants in the system. When new data is entered, it cannot be erased. This makes the chain a verifiable and unalterable string of records for every transaction ever made in the system. The potential for blockchain technology has only begun. Traditional tech giants such as Microsoft, IBM, and SAP have invested in blockchain technology. Major industries such as banking, real estate, travel, and even social media are being disrupted by blockchain startups. How will this take shape in education? To help shed some light is Richard Magol, the CEO of the On-Demand Education Marketplace, or ODEM for short, that is based in Switzerland. Richard is a seasoned Silicon Valley entrepreneur with more than two decades of experience in emerging and disrupting technologies. A former software provider to Chevron Corp and a co-founder of ODEM's education partner, Accelerators Incorporated. Richard is committed to using blockchain technology to make higher education more accessible and affordable. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hi, Lingling. Thank you for having me on your show. And I just wanted to say that I'm very honored to be your guest. And especially after the incredible first season you have, I know that you have an incredible community you've developed. And just again, thank you so much and wish you luck on your second season. The honor is mine, Richard, for being on the show. I know the time now in San Francisco is pretty late for you at the moment. <laughs> it's not so late. Enough time to have dinner afterwards. <laughs> so mind if you could share with our listeners a little bit about yourself? 
Sure. I've been uh, an entrepreneur probably pretty much right out of um, college. I've been very successful. I've worked in enterprise software, worked with Fortune 500 companies, and I just had a lot of great success. And in the last six years ago, I got involved with a new startup. They asked me to come and get involved and help them raise money. This was to provide students and executives with short-term education programs hosted at schools like Harvard, MIT, Berkeley, and many more high-brand universities here in the United States. Most of the students were from your part of the world, throughout Asia. We had great success, but we also saw a lot of different challenges, what kind of brought us to the whole blockchain revolution. So just uh, provided a definition of blockchain. And if you go out into the internet or Google and look for blockchain, there are just so many explanations or descriptions out there. So how do you describe what blockchain is? I think as you mentioned earlier, most people recognize blockchain as the technology or the foundation of cryptocurrency trading, like Bitcoin, EOS, Ethereum, all the major, the top five type of uh, very successful trading coins. But the truth is that the blockchain technology is much more. I try to really try to explain it in very simple terms. If you can imagine a file folder of information, and this file folder typically lives in a file cabinet. But with the distributed ledger, the file folder actually lives on thousands and thousands of computers. They store the records of every transaction throughout history. And what I really like about this is that there's no one person or entity owns or completes or has complete control of another person's information. So this is the whole difference between the centralized systems and decentralized systems. So if you look at from a school perspective, a centralized system is an education institute or a university. What we're trying to do is go away from a centralized system like education institutions who own all the information, owns education to a peer-to-peer model, a decentralized system. And to be able to do this, you really have to leverage the ledger, the distributed ledger. So I'm very excited about this technology. I think it's really, really going to help companies, organizations, the people that we serve, especially in education, to really gain more power back. I've mentioned to you before that I've tried looking up on what blockchain is, but I believe that blockchain itself requires a different mindset or a different mind shift altogether because we live in a world that is so used to, in terms of technology, I'm used to going into a browser and going to a website. But what it sounds like when it comes to blockchain, it might be a different system altogether. Right. If you could imagine that you and me are transacting, let's just say education, you were an educator and I was a student. What I would do is go to the university, which is a centralized system, enroll in a class that's taught by you. So now in the decentralized system, I can come to you directly. So it's more peer-to-peer. You have to create trust, accountability, and transparency so that ensures that our transaction is good. There's no cause for fraud. 
that we ensure that that education class is going to continue and be successful. Is this how ODEM works? How, how does ODEM work? Right. So ODEM is an education marketplace built for students and educators. So the marketplace okay. allows students to connect directly with the educators for in-the-classroom accredited and non-accredited education. This market removes costly layers of middlemen, the expensive schools. So the, the purpose is that we want to try to reduce the barriers of education. We want to lower the cost of education without giving up the high quality of education. So what makes ODEM different from other online education markets? Because it also sounds like it could be a Coursera or Edex or Udemy. Thanks for bringing that question up. That's a very important question to differentiate. There's a few different things. One is that the difference between ODEM and Coursera, let's say, is that we are effectively mirroring the administrative process that you would find at universities or high schools. If you look at Casera, you would see that it's mostly on-demand videos. So there's no interactiveness. And the completion rate in these MOOCs or these private online education companies, although they're improving, there's still low completion rate. I think it's around 10 to 20%. They're getting better. What we are trying to do is really become the in the classroom education because we find that interacting with teachers, other students in the classroom, it keeps you the student accountable. It keeps the teacher accountable. It builds great communication skills for the students to learn to take out in the world. It really solves a lot of the completion rates. You have to be a well-prepared student to be able to take an online education class. There's research and research that shows that usually the schools or the MOOCs or online education class and people that really complete these courses and are very successful with these courses are people that have been really properly prepared. So we are kind of focused on the students who are not used to doing online education, who are not prepared for online education. And I talked to the person that Wharton School of Business, they do their online education courses, and she touted her Wharton's ability or Wharton's uh, success rate about 80%. Wow, that's amazing. Right. It's, it's incredible if you compare it to other ones. And I asked her, I said, well, how, how was it so successful? She goes, they use students at the school. So it's, they're already a Wharton student. They use a blended approach. So the students are already in the classroom and then they go off and do part of their classroom work online. That's why they're more successful. So our focus is really trying to like start in the classroom, but take the kind of the blended approach. So ODEM is not purely an online learning platform. It is a combination of online and in face-to-face. Is that what you're saying? It's going to be in the classroom initially, both in your local communities and internationally. So if a student wants to travel from one part of the world to another, they can take their course in the classroom. If it's a local area, they would be able to have professors from different parts of the world travel there to, to offer their 
expertise. As we move forward, we're going to have more online, but it's going to be more interactive. We do think that the AR, VR, augmented reality, as that technology gets better, we think that's going to be a huge asset for education that needs really more interactive education. Our other company, Accelerators, this vision was born, provides all in the classroom education at universities around the United States. So we have a lot of experience in that. We've been very successful in it just from our own experience and research that we know that this is more effective for those students that need that type of learning. I probably haven't asked earlier, but may I ask, what is your motivation behind starting ODEM? Oh boy, that's that's a big question. So, you know, you know, I'm a big stats guy. What I know and from my travels out there talking to a lot of people, and I go to a lot of developing countries that are struggling with uh, education and jobs. I'll just tell you a little story. I was in a town just outside of Jakarta. Are you familiar? I know that's yeah, cool. I've been to Jakarta yeah. quite a fair bit. Yes. So there's this foundation run by the Buddhists, a small little school. We were on it promoting our education program that we host at Harvard. As I was preparing a young student, I would say ninth grade, walked up to me and started asking me a lot of questions about, is it possible if I can go to Harvard? Do you really think there's a chance? You know, what's Harvard like? What's the food like? And he wants to look at different topics and stuff like that. He was just so excited. He's wide-eyed and he was curious. He kind of reminded me of my youngest son, you know, kind of pulling on my back of my shirt asking me questions and questions and questions. And he was so excited. So I said, well, you know, let's talk afterwards. Once you hear the presentation, you'll learn more. So I went out and presented the program and we talked about the cost of the program. And then afterwards, you know, I was kind of looking eager to see his kind of response to what we presented. And, and he wasn't around and I kind of walked around the classroom and he looked sad. He wasn't that spunky kid that was asking me a bunch of questions. He was just kind of, you know, look, didn't look too happy. What happened? Well, I went over to him and uh, I said, well, what did you think? And the first words that came out of his mouth is, I can't go back to my parents and ask them for money for this. And I was just like, whoa. You know, it's great because, I mean, this kid was really smart. You could tell he was well-read and... He had everything. Then I realized that this is a major problem. You know, why can't we get better access to this type of education? Why is it so expensive? Why are there so many different middlemen, so many different barriers to this young child's goal to get educated and better himself, do the things that he's passionate about? At that point, I had a kind of a fundamental shift with our company. And I went back, started sitting down people and said, okay, guys, we need to start thinking more out of the box. Okay. We're dealing with a multi-channel reseller partnership programs or partnership that is making education very expensive. How do we deal with this? And we discussed, well, we need to be able to circumvent all these middlemen and let the students connect with the educators so that we can drive down the cost of education, give them the high quality education that would 
effectively make them well-skilled, be able to go out and get a job and participate in their economies and, you know, have families and do the same for their kids. But in reality, you know, that's not happening. So that's kind of our vision that we are trying to, you know, make people's lives better. And by doing that, we had to start doing a lot of research on how to make that happen. Because when you remove the middleman and the universities or schools that traditionally govern the whole education experience, you're left between the student and the educator. So who's going to govern that? So the ecosystem, the marketplace, has a lot of different players. The student, the educator, all the service providers that are related to education, now they're all working together. But now who's going to manage that? Who's going to govern that process in that peer-to-peer network? So we did our research, and we found that the blockchain, with its smart contracts, was kind of the, the holy grail what we needed to create a self-governing ecosystem. So with smart contracts, there are, if you can imagine a legal document that's electronic, it sets the terms and conditions. At the same time, when it's setting terms and conditions, it's actually creating, it's like a, it creates like a planning tool, a logistics. It makes the whole process more efficient because before you go from one terms uh, conditions, you have to meet the conditions before you go on to the next. So, which was really good. And it just makes it, and, and the great thing about the ledger, it tracks all the information so that you can go back and see like every step of the way so that it really does create you know, trust, increased accountability of the ecosystem. I love the story that you told about the nine-year-old yeah. you met in a collegian yeah. Jakarta, because that is so inspiring. Yeah, It's something that we know at the back of our heads about how education is inaccessible by a large population of society. And the education that is accessible by them is not maybe not of as great quality as what you can get in the States or in, in Western and developed countries. So since you started on your journey with ODEM, have there been any success stories? You know, we started in the development back in March, April timeframe. So our success right now is more around the development, us meeting our milestones that we projected while we are out there raising money through the ICO. More importantly, we are building these incredible relationships with companies, partnerships with universities, partners with uh, companies, foundations that are going to support this education platform. And I'm very excited because it's another aspect is but we're going to step further ahead and we're going to give them a chance to actually get a job from it. How do you get a job from from this? Yeah, so what we're doing is working with some major corporations, educators and corporations to come up with a curriculum that we skill base where the corporations put the stamp of approval, effectively certifying that if a person takes this course and passes, that they would have an opportunity to get a job with their company. Oh, so in a way, it's more of like a career pathway for people who want to work for a particular company. If they want to go there, then it's great if you go through our program. Right. Because, you know, we definitely see education as changing, you know, away from the four-year degree 
and more into kind of the micro learning, micro learning for skill-based jobs. I always talk about in these developing countries, multinational companies and governments invest a lot of money in these developing countries. But the problem is that they can't find the skills, the people that have the skills to take these jobs. So what happens is that they have to bring other people from other countries into these countries to fulfill those jobs. So that kind of defeats the whole purpose. What we're trying to do is work with these companies to develop a curriculum that meets their needs, but also meets the students' needs. So I can see the benefit of companies being on your platform or them. Mm -hmm. But what if they're independent educators like me, where I have, I'm an expert in uh, cultural intelligence, intercultural comms, would there be a place for me in ODEM or is this only targeted for organizations? I think this is an amazing opportunity for educators. How so? Well, a couple different reasons. One is it's actually going to give an educator the ability to kind of think out of the box themselves, to be able to create their own curriculum and be able to earn money for the curriculum they create, not just teaching the students, but also allowing other teachers to teach that curriculum and earning a royalty for it. Oh, so there's this feature on ODEM as well, where if you upload, say, like a particular content or program that other educators will be able to use it. Correct. And then earn a royalty from it and also get the IP protection. How does ODEM help with IP? Well, what happens is when you put that type of information on the blockchain, it will always live on the uh, blockchain and it always will be yours. So if somebody tries to take it, there will be a stamp and we would see that somebody took it and follow kind of the follow the, the blocks, so to speak. Or if somebody tries to change it, it can be changed back to uh, where from the original state. But it's recorded in history and it can never be changed. So if somebody actually takes it and you find them or find the person who takes it, then you have recourse to make sure that they'll use the content without paying for it. How, how does that work? Does it involve like, you know, in, in the world outside of blockchain, you have to hire lawyers to, right. to recourse. Right. Does blockchain has its own kind of like legal team? No, blockchain doesn't. But what's great is that uh, it kind of serves as a proof. You can show uh, proof that this was yours. You created it at a certain time. And then you can show, you know, where it was changed and who changed it. So you'll have the supporting data so you can take to, you know, attorney, an IP attorney to uh, make sure that you can get your payment for it. And the payment, is it only in cryptocurrency because it's on blockchain? Or does it, is there any like cash involvement? Well, we're currency agnostics. So payments like uh, for students or people using your, like say your curriculum can come into the platform in any form. We process things using our cryptocurrency token, but when it comes to the output, you can get it in the currency that you wish for. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah. I'm also thinking from the student's perspective and your story about the nine-year-old in Indonesia. So if they want to access a Harvard standard program from Jakarta, but they have only rupees, how would that work for, for the students? Right. So like I said, the students can take the rupees 
and buy the the Odom tokens, and the Odom tokens gets swapped and paid to the educators, and then educators can either hold it in the crypto and the Odom tokens, or they can automatically get it converted into their country currency. And this all can happen very quick. So it, there's no two days waiting time for a bank no, that's transaction. A, no, no, no. That's a great thing about the whole cryptocurrency payment system. Things just happen quick. There's no you know, international wires, the cost of international wires, the delays. You know, we've been doing business internationally for years. We understand what it, the cost and the delays and you know, it can be weeks by the time you get your money. Are there any charges, additional charges for using the service? Well, initially for us to build the early adoption, we're not going to charge a transaction fee. We will eventually, as we really understand what the market, who the market is and what they'd be willing to spend, but there will be a transaction fee, small transaction fee on the educator side. And then moving forward, we'll be able to charge or share a transaction on certifications. And the other is where people like corporations will be able to access these student records and be able to pay a fee, not just to ODEM, but also to the student. Also, the student earns from learning? The, the, the students will get paid to give access to their data, to their transcripts or diplomas or credentials which is really exciting. And, you know, we'll share a, a transaction cost with that as well. We'll share a transaction cost with the royalties, but everything will be very small because we're betting that the excitement of our marketplace will drive very high volume. Uh, what kind of students are you anticipating that will start using ODEM? I think students, higher education, university students are looking for an alternative solution. Students who cannot afford exorbitant fees, which traditional institutions charge. Students who are looking for a more immediate positive outcomes from education, more of a skill-based education courses where they can quickly take a course and be able to take a skill and move it on. Students who graduate college, and we all know by the time they finish college, most of them don't have the skills to move on and get a job quickly. So those, those students in the middle of graduating and getting a job to help them create a skill based on some of the stuff they learned in school. Students are uh, workforce people who want to get recertified and grow you know, within their organization. One of the things that we're doing right now in our development stage is really really trying to figure out like who's like initially that we're going to focus on so that, you know, we don't go too broad, but we really focus and do a really good job, focus on a very small segment and then learn from it. And as we gain those market insights, we think that it's going to grow broader over time, but we're going to try to narrow it. Have you decided where you're going to start first? Well, we are going to start because we have such a great base in China. We are oh, wow. focused quite a bit in a couple uh, major cities there, Shenzhen, Shanghai, and Beijing. Uh, we do have a uh, pretty good customer base there, and they are going to be our early adopters 
to the education. We're also finding that there's a big need in Eastern Europe. There's a big need in Middle East. Excellent. What challenges do you foresee in educators and students adopting ODEM? I think the challenges, I mean, there's, there's a whole list of challenges. But for me personally, I think our challenges right now is making sure that we can work more closely with the educators to create the content to attract the students on our platform. Are you focused on any particular content at the moment or particular type of educators? Well, actually, there's quite a few things. Blockchain, because we're in a blockchain community and people understand blockchain, what it's all about. That's our community. And blockchain has, there's a huge need for blockchain experts. So that's one of the programs that we're going to focus on initially. And there's the stuff that we've been focusing on for the last few years with accelerators is that more in the technology field, like, well, first of all, there's, there's language, language, ESL language programs are always very popular. And then you get into STEM programs, you get into innovation, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, robots. Those are kind of the, the ones that are highly sought after. So we're going to focus on those. Those are the ones that we get quite a lot of uh, requests for. You know, everybody tells me on my team, I have to be patient. I want to to (laughs) conquer the world. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have that drive and passion and vision to get to where you are today. And it sounds like you have quite a journey ahead of you to build uh, the future of education, actually. Yeah, definitely. It's a um, very impactful very purpose-driven vision that we have. And I would say it's probably out of all my projects I've worked in the past, this is probably the most meaningful to me where it really makes a positive change in people's lives. With blockchain technology and with what you're doing with ODEM, what do you foresee is the future of education? And I think you mentioned briefly too that by cutting out the middlemen, they're educational institutions like schools, colleges, and universities, do you think there will still be a place for them or will their their role be different? What do you foresee is the future of education? Well, we see the future as a world in which everyone has a solid chance. And the boy from Jakarta, just many people around the world to be able to, you know, live up there to their potential. A world that where students proactively educate themselves in a meaningful way throughout their whole lives. For the future, we're hoping to arm the students with a lot of knowledge and expertise so they can uh, turn around and make the world a better place. Education, as we know it, will undergo an evolution, which is currently we're involved in. We do think uh, for the first time, we're really seeing personalization of learning. We see shorter term programs, We do see it going away from the four-year degree. It's going to be more focused on pragmatic, field-based skills. Educating the world is a big task and a sure goal. So can I uh, say that when it comes to the future of education, it's really in the hands of the student to craft and, uh, can I say, design what their education would be because there's a greater amount of flexibility, greater amount of accessibility. Right. And can I also say, maybe you can share a bit more that 
for educational institutions, they themselves would be evolving their curriculum or their form of education from the four-year degree to something simpler, maybe a one-month skills-based or one-year knowledge-based right. based on what's required in the industry. Exactly. You know, I was the type of student, you know, I, I never finished college. 32 years ago, I left my third year in college and decided to start my own business. Because, you know, I had certain passions, certain interests, and a certain way of learning and moving on you know, with my life. But learning was a very difficult thing for me because there was too much time in between different classes, different lessons. So for me, I was a type of person that will only need to go to, needed like an accelerated class for about, you know, two weeks. I could learn something in two weeks rather than being in school for three or, you know, four months. I was so eager to go out there and learn. And I think there's a lot of students who are out there who are eager to go out and earn money, especially if you look in different parts of the world. They don't have the luxury to, you know, do a four-year degree. They may already have families. They may have families they have to take care of. So to do these kind of micro courses where people can accelerate what they learn and be able to get an opportunity to take a skill-based job, that's huge benefit. And I think that's where it's all going to change. I talk to students in Germany. I talk to students in Switzerland. You know, I do a lot of traveling. I talk to a lot of students and they don't want to go to a four-year degree. In the United States, they don't want to put their parents in the financial jeopardy. In the United States, we look at $1.5 trillion in debt, in uh, student loan debt. And education increases anywhere between 3 and 15%, depending on what school you're going to. Increase in debt is about 30% each year. It's just grown up and crazy. And then when these students uh, finish these four-year degrees, guess what? They don't have a job. They got this big fat loan uh, bill they get every every month. So p- students, like, they don't want to put the burden on their parents. They don't want to have the debt like their parents. They want to go and take a you know a, a more of a micro course that's going to give them the skills so they can go on and work you know, and participate in their economies. I don't think it's only happening in the States. It's almost everywhere in the world. Education is becoming more and more expensive, and especially quality education. And I believe the cost of going to quality education is excluding people who are deserving. Mm-hmm. And fundamentally, I believe education should be everyone's right. You know, Who says you can't go to a school or take a certain course because you cannot afford it? Right. That just sounds a bit wrong. Right, right. No, it's true. And that's where maybe perhaps where ODEM can come and step in, because if accessing to education is as affordable and as flexible as you say, that will certainly help a lot of students out there who want to get quality education. And then when you get the quality education, so the students will come to our platform to be able to get this skill, this certification, this accreditation. What next? What happens if they want to go to another country? and port those credentials to another country? Will the other country recognize it? We all have sat in the back of a cab and talked to the driver, and he tells us he's from this foreign country, and he's an actual doctor, banker, accountant. He's driving a taxi for a living, something totally 
away from what he's been trained on. Yeah. It's such a shame when you have so many talented people and they're not able to use their talent just because whatever certification they receive isn't being recognized by anyone right. anywhere. So yeah. and that's one thing that we're working on. That's the reason why we're working with the universities. So we are working with universities right now and high schools to be yeah. able to take their student data and their diplomas and the certifications and putting on our blockchain. So we can create a global registry where then when students can share this information to other countries. So when you create a global registry of information, then you can start setting standards. You can compare the different criterias between these accreditations, these certifications. Yeah, I remember my education experience because in my tertiary education, it's mostly English speaking. But whenever I apply for another university, they will always ask for, oh, what is your IELTS uh, results or what is your TOEFL results? Right. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I studied everything in English. Why do you still need to ask for an right. English test result from me. So it feels a little bit offensive just because yeah. you see my passport as Malaysia, it doesn't mean my English is poor. Right. And this has become a major issue. I uh, spoke at the European Commission on several months back. And this is because you, you see, obviously you see the huge immigration crisis that was happening today, especially in Europe. So they're receiving a lot of these immigrants or displaced people into these different countries like Germany and England and Spain and Italy. And now they're trying to figure out, like, one is where's our records? One of the things that we're working on is verification of academic records through consensus. How does that work? So if you can imagine a group of people that are on the blockchain, on, on an Odom platform, and we sent out a notification to these people that knows this person. Could be a former teacher, a former school administrator, former neighbor, somebody in his own world that knows this person. And to can verify that he actually took these courses or went to this school, got this degree, and then by consensus, which is verified, by a uh, legal entity, acknowledge that this task or this consensus uh, verification process uh, was done correctly and not fraudulently. And then the students can be recognized by another country. So uh, one is we're working with the Internet Bar Organization on a pilot program that we're going to run in Bangladesh for the Rohingya people. It's the largest refugee camp in the world. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it's about a million people there with lack of access to everything, including education. Yeah, and it's pretty sad because when you have displaced workers, you see a lot of them coming into countries with no identity. Actually, they say between, depending on what publication you read, anywhere between one and three billion people do not have identity. Is it really so, so many people? Because 3 billion is almost half the world's population. Right. Or at least even 1 billion is quite a large number of people. Huge. So what happens is on some countries, you know, it's almost a commit identity genocide. Some uh, just, you know, just don't have the proper identification. They never did have identification. They never needed it. So in a way, ODEM is 
providing the identity that these refugees did not get at the place or at the nations that they have been living in. It's very important. I mean, identities is a huge part of our platform, both for the student and the educators. You know, academic records are very important. At the same time, be able to allow students to have their records accomplishments recognized from different countries. I, I told you I love these numbers, but, you know, uh, 93.7% of people never get to go to college. It's really that many people, 93.7. 93.7%. Can you believe that? That's just yeah. like unreal uh, the amount of people never even go to college. And that's that's like a global statistic. That's a global statistic. It's a lot of billions. Yeah, and that's a lot of untapped potential then. That's right. So Our humanity has progressed with people who have received college education. I'm not saying those who didn't, didn't help humanity's progress, but if we untap people without college education and providing them quality education, who knows where humanity may be. That's and- right. There's going to be a lot of work for us. If any of our listeners wish to get on board of ODEM, where can they start? We'd love to have your uh, listeners join the ODEM education revolution. Join our beta list for early access and insight into the platform's launch by filling out the form at odem.io. That's O-D-E-M dot I-O. We recommend everyone subscribing to our newsletters as well as keep up on all things ODEM. We can't wait to see everyone when we launch the platform in February 2019. That sounds exciting, Richard. Any other parting advice for our listeners or any last words? My advice for everyone is to make sure they're a lifelong learner. In an ever-changing world, we need you. Whether it be personal or professional, continue to push yourself to ask one simple question, why? One thing that we are taught We are not taught enough in schools is to question the status quo. As one of my favorite people, as uh, Steve Jobs once said, those who are crazy enough to think they can change the world, they usually do. That's a fantastic quote, Richard. Thank you very much for your time. It has been such an insightful session. Yes, and thank you very much. I loved your questions, and I hope to, uh, in the future, uh, come on to your show and be able to tell you some better news. Oh, yeah, definitely. February 2019 is your launch, right? Yes, February 2019. Fantastic. Thank you again, Richard. Awesome. Thank you. That was Richard Magel, CEO of the on-demand education marketplace, Orodem. We were just discussing about learning on blockchain. Highlights of this episode and contact details of our guest is available on our website at www.culturespark.co slash podcasts. That is www.culturespark.co slash podcasts. In our next episode, we will speak to seasoned art therapist and fellow podcaster, Eva San. We will be discussing about the importance of emotional literacy. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you download your podcast. 
if you believe this podcast show will help a friend or family, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast. Thank you.